this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Okay, everybody, I'm popping in here because I kind of made a promise that I might have a little something special for you today. Merry Christmas. And, uh, what I'm going to leave here is going to be five episodes. These are episodes that I originally recorded back in about January. And this was when the show was something very different, when I was still doing this under further questions. And I thought maybe I was going to do a show about the paranormal. And I had on five friends. And these are five episodes. They haven't been living anywhere since then. So I decided, what better day than today? to drop these into your feed. So if something sounds a little out of date and we talk about things before COVID, well, that's because this was before COVID. So enjoy the episodes. Remember what the world was like back then, about a year ago. And uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow when I come back with a new episode. You are uh, the mastermind and founder of soon-to-be-released podcast, Humbly. How's that right. The podcast app, not necessarily the podcast itself. I don't know. Did I leave the word app out? You did, but it's okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's the podcast app. Let's so an app. I was actually thinking of making a podcast like everybody else has totally had that thought. Maybe I should make a podcast. And I got the ball rolling a little bit and I started a design podcast with my cousin, Alan. Oh, yeah. And we got a couple episodes recorded and then I don't know, we, we think it was okay, but it's not quite the caliber where we're thinking where we want to release it yet. I don't know. We got to do a little more editing and all that stuff. So we got two episodes recorded and you know, we're, we're working on the format. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just release it. I know. It's, it's just a podcast. Dude, no one's going to go back and listen. Past I know the last episode. So just <laughs> keep moving forward and, Otherwise, you're just going to keep putting it off forever. I know it, that may happen, and I, I'm, you know, I'm actually okay with that. It was just a good experience. I, I figure I'm making a podcasting app. Let me see a little bit of what that world's like. It would be cool to release it someday. Um, it's just a time constraint thing, and it's kind of hard to come up with the time to do editing, get both of us in the same room, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was it goes on. Actually, just talking on Twitter briefly yesterday, and a little bit today with Colin about podcast editing. 
Because he's he's basically got to the point where he's like, "This sucks." <laughs> oh right, yeah. I'm ready to hand this off and let somebody do it for me. Yeah, it takes. It's pretty time intensive. Um, yeah, well, I was uh, mentioning Descript. It's pretty cool. I, I was messing around with it too, and it's a great it was, idea. I think you you have to use it to to do the actual recording. That's when it's powerful if you record in it as well instead of importing. And yeah, it's not perfect yet, but I could see that it could evolve into being something really useful. And for people who don't know what that is, it's, it's a podcast editing app where you drop it in and it basically creates a transcript right in front of you. And you can edit, literally edit the text and it will edit the audio. So if you see um, you delete the word um, and it deletes the audio of the um in the recording as well. Yeah. And it has some pretty, you know, in depth, uh, like actual editing tools, audio editing tools that you would find in some of the other applications. And yeah, they're working on this feature that's in beta, I guess. So you can, I don't know, type in new words and it will kind of emulate your voice and make those words happen. So that's that's kind of blowing my mind. I, I really want to see that in action. I was supposed to be in the beta of that. And then I, at that point, I wasn't just like not using the app anymore. So yeah, I signed up for the beta too. I haven't heard anything back, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, basically, yeah, they're like, okay, so uh, how many hours of your voice do you have recorded? I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> 200 300 hours yeah like, okay we'll take you. <laughs> got it yeah i didn't have nearly enough so i could tell it, it would be technically speaking you know my brain is i rack my brain over it i'm like thinking how how much actual data you need to be able to power that of, of someone's voice but anyway and then there's a the whole privacy side of things it's super interesting well they had some i can't remember it's been a long time since i looked at it they had something that was privacy focused about it i think it was you could only do it for your voice but they wouldn't allow you to do it for guests right yeah that's right it, and it can differentiate which unfortunately my experience pod, to podcasting two-siders is most of the time when you need a word fixed it's usually the other person because, right. you know, a dog walked by and barked or something you couldn't hear their word. And you're like, I wish I could put that word back in. Right. It's rarely your voice. Right, right. Although there is... <laughs> here's a funny story. Okay, we are, we're already sidetracked, but it's okay. That's what the show Instantly, is. like it didn't even take any time at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you know somebody as long as we've known each other. <laughs> yeah. But here's an interesting story. Uh, God, it must have been like... I'm so bad with time now. I'm going to say it was like four months ago. Mm-hmm. Um. Lamb and I went to what's the name of that park in El Viso? You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Right by the water. Yeah, it's all the marshlands, and you walk on the wood and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. The preserve out there. Yeah, yeah. So we were walking around out there, me and him and my dog, and we're like, oh, you know, what? let's 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 record like a mobile conversation because this like the Samsung phone when I if I use the voice recorder, it will use microphones on either end. And let me record a double a double side conversation with separate audio. Cool. So I was like, let's, well, yeah, let's do it right here. The moment we turned the phone on, we had been there like 20 minutes already. It started raining on us. Nice. So then we go to this coffee shop. We're like, well, fine. We'll just do it this outside. We're sitting outside because we have the dog. We'll do it out here. And we record it. We, and we recorded like maybe almost like two hours, two hours of conversation. And then I go to edit it. And for some reason, my voice was dipped being up and down in volume for the whole two hours. Annoying. Yeah. So yeah. What are you going to do with that? Man? What are you going to do with that? Yeah. Even a, a leveler can't even fix that. You know, you put an auto leveler, like, right. What is this one here? Oh, the Ophonic one. Um, it still doesn't touch that. It's not meant for that kind of sensitivity. Yeah. Well, anyway, 
yeah, maybe I'll dabble into the podcast, actual podcasting creation one of these days. But for now, there's just so much going on that... Uh, and you know, back then when we were thinking, let's do this podcast, it'll be great. I mean, I mean, the band, so Strata is now... Okay, so a little bit of history. Strata has been a band since the year 2000. We uh, have been at it for nearly 20 years. And so in June actually mark 20 years which is insane to think about so crazy we yeah we had a really good run back in the day you know things started happening for us pretty easily like pretty early on i mean and we just kind of went with it uh, we ended up getting signed to in 2003 to wind up records we toured fairly extensively and put out a couple you know um kind of big time or kind of label releases albums on some movie soundtracks? Yeah, some movie soundtracks, yeah. Uh, in the first album, we actually engineered and recorded ourselves here in our crappy little practice studio in San Jose. And the label wanted to release those songs as is, except we wanted to get it. They wanted to get it mixed really by someone who knew what all they were doing because we always call it that they, you know, that they polished a turd. And <laughs> it was exactly that. I mean, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing back in the day. Like we had... You know, some crappy mics. We had an old Pro Tools rig on like a Windows 2000 machine. And then eventually we got a Mac, you know. I don't know. It was just so different back then. And all these things cost a lot of money. And yeah. we still did it ourselves though, which is rad. And we engineered it. We produced it. We did the whole thing. And yeah, that was our main release. We ended up... We, go, we went on to sell quite a few copies of that one. People were still buying CDs. That was the self-titled um, one, right? Yeah, the self-titled one. And then, um, yeah, the second album... We were fortunate enough to be signed to wind up and we were in England for the for the whole recording of that for nearly two months. We had a really great experience out in uh, the countryside recording. We were in Oxford for a bit and then out in the countryside in an old sawmill um, converted into a recording studio called The Sawmills. And great place. We have some really, really fond memories of that. And that was that album was something that we're all really proud of and we're glad it's out there. <clears throat> and then, you know, well, we uh, stopped playing together for about four or five years, uh, starting in 2008. <clears throat> um, so Eric, uh, our singer, had a... Uh, for, you know, personal reasons, he left the band. Right. And so that pretty much kind of killed the whole thing. We thought that was pretty much it. And then somewhere around 2000... And, and you know, our friendships persisted, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't so great when it all went down. You know, we had a little bit of a falling out and everyone was, you know, we had invested our lives into this thing. And right. yeah, was, we had a lot of momentum and that feeling of momentum, right? Absolutely. We had, you know, we had, we were signed, we had management, we had publishing, we had tours, we had, you know, a lot of good things. But hey, you know, not everything was perfect. And um, it got to some of us. And yeah, Eric decided to leave. And, you know, we had a little bit of a falling out. It took some time to patch that up, you know, nothing more than a year. And, you know, we, we resumed our friendships, you know, all of us. And for, so I can only really speak for myself, but um, yeah, we, we resumed our friendships. And then next thing we know, and you know, it was like 2012 or 2013 or something like that. And uh, we um, decided to start playing again. We figured, hey, you know what, we're, we're still good friends. Why are we not doing art together? And so we started, you know, picking up our instruments again and just playing and seeing where it would go. And we just, we weren't all that, you know, gung ho about it like we were before. You know, things had changed. I had started 
tech career, you know, and I'm living in this like, you know, pretty techie, busy life and everyone's got their own shit going on and everything. And so, yeah, uh, long story short, we started messing around. We played a few shows and they were more like more or less nostalgia shows. We didn't have any real new material or anything. But in the last, I would say two to three months, we have been kind of, I mean, some life has gotten, something has breathed life into our band and we have added uh, a, a keyboard player. His name is Johnny, which is Eric's cousin, actually. And we have a new drummer named Jim, who uh, we have known for a very, very long time. He's, he's been awesome. He's just been just the greatest. Both of them have been just this amazing addition to the band. It's transformed the way we approach writing and being in a band altogether. And we've all you know done a lot of growing over the years. We our relationships are so strong with one another. The vibes are really, really good in the band. There's no, you know, there isn't ego bullshit. There isn't a lot of that stuff that, you know, sometimes was around back in the day when we'd be writing, you know, or trying to make decisions is just gone. You know, at the end of the day, we just want to be able to play music and we have an opportunity, we think, to kind of make good shit happen with our band again. So, well, there's something to be said about how. Something, you know, you have, like I said, you had that momentum going and then it collapsing, you know, it just falls apart. Um, like you said, for, for valid reasons, personal reasons for Eric, um, sucks, for, sucked for you and for, for Ryan, but it falls apart. And so then what do you do? You, you go and you make a new life, right? You know, you go do, do new things. And because of that, you gain like this, this perspective. It's kind of like, like, um, Walking away from something makes you appreciate the important parts about it and all the other like petty shit. You know, like you said, the egos and stuff like that. When you're a young man, you know, I'm I'm speaking from this because for people listening, I was around. <laughs> yeah, you were definitely I, I, around for all of this. I'm not uh I'm not speaking from a <laughs> imaginary perspective. But you're young men, you know, we're all we were all young men. We're trying to assert our place in the world. So ego is kind of part of that. You're like, Oh, my part's not loud enough or I don't get to, you know, like all that shit comes in just because you're part of something and you want to make sure that people know you're a part of it. But when you come back as a man, as a grown up, you just want to be part of the thing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the, that's what I see when I, cause I've talked to Ryan and Eric both on the podcast and that's kind of the perspective I see from them as well. Yeah, it's, it's spot on, you know, we, I just appreciate these guys. They've brought, I mean, they are some of my most longtime friends, you know, yourself included is in this era that has been around and always been in my life and has been positive forces in my life. And man, I, I mean, with, with Eric and Ryan, man, we have had some adventures together, you know, <laughs> and it's brought us close, you know, and it seems like, you know, some people have been, or want to talk about this whole thing that's happening again with our band. I always go to this and I say that back in the day when we were doing this, things felt good. I would say that, you know, we had really good, lined up some good shit for our band. You know, we were on the up and up, we were making great music and everything felt good in my head. Um, but this time around, things feel a little different. It's just, and the, the best way I can describe it is that it feels right. And, I don't exactly know what the you know the total definition of that is. It's just my gut saying that hey, this feels a little different this time. So I think I'm gonna roll with it. I'm gonna try to make it you know as badass and rad and fun and I don't know successful as possible. So 
Well, I think you'd lose something of that feeling if you tried to dissect it. You know, like, what does right mean? It's just like, sometimes you just have to roll with it. Yeah. It's like, just it feels feeling. right. And that's all I need to know. Yeah. No, exactly. That I'm just, I'm leaning on that. I'm leaning against that. That's, you know, telling me that, hey, this is feeling right. This is a different. And, you know, I, I got to say, part of it is because these songs we've been writing are really, really cool. I love these songs. They're, they are, in my opinion, the best songs we've written as a band. That's obviously what you want to be like, oh, this feels right. Then you go and you're like, hmm, but these songs, I don't know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, all the, the vibes around the song is great. Um, the lyrically speaking, we are, uh, Eric's coming up with some just really, really, really great material. And, um, outside of that, it's our, our dynamic as a band is really great. And on top of that, I, I think timing has something to do with it too. You know, we, have you know back when we were doing this we we're really trying to get momentum and things were starting to get traction for a band um on a larger scale it was around the time where electronic music was more on the up and up you know right. um, less so rock and so but now we are getting the vibe and we've been kind of anticipating it that yeah we think rock and roll is going to come back and kind of have a bigger footprint in the whole mainstream um side of things as far as music goes so that said, we're like thinking, okay, our timing's better. We're writing better songs. We've been around, we have a story. We've been around 20 years, you know, all this good stuff. And yeah, we're just rolling with it and hoping to make the best out of it. So let me ask you something I never asked you before, even on a personal level. When Strata ended, that next day for you, what from like, I'm, I'm coming from a, not like a, a practical minded thing, like emotionally, you've got your, you're invested in this thing and it's a trajectory you're on. And now there's no trajectory. How do you begin? How did you begin to like dissect that and to really digest? Like, okay, that's, that just happened. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, all right. So when it did go down, I was out in New Jersey visiting my girlfriend. She used to live out there at the time. And so I was, I decided not to deal with it until I got home, which was about a week after that or so. But I had to do some thinking, you know, I had to think about, okay, what, what did I miss out on over those years? Not in a regrettable sense, you know, but more about what would I have been doing? And maybe I should be doing that, you know, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I, uh, I, first of all, another thing I got to mention is our band was in debt because we were on a tour and the way, you know, the billing worked in our case, I don't know if this is everybody, but you know, we, we wipe any kind of gas expenses and we were in a, you know, we were rolling around in a bus and the expenses got pretty high. Um, and so there was a significant amount of credit card balance that was all linked to my name. I was, uh, I was the fool who took on the, <laughs> um, I don't know, burden or financial responsibility of the line of credit or whatnot. I'm kind of surprised that the management and label or nobody said, Hey, you know, Hey, we're at a certain level now. Maybe we should just not have you linked to it. So I don't know, maybe lesson learned, right? That's not happening. But so we, when the band and when that when Eric left and the band ended, there was about uh, there was about thirty thousand dollars in debt 
on that card. And I was personally in debt about eleven, maybe twelve thousand dollars on my own personal credit card. And you know, luckily we had a good manager at the time who had, you know, been stashing some money aside. So between that and selling some things like our van and our trailer and you know shit like that. We were we managed to pay that down off entirely. So that was good, but it took a while. It definitely like dinged my credit, which I don't know, whatever. But then I had about 10, 11 of my own. And you know, being in the band was fun and all, but we didn't really make any significant money. I mean we we barely, barely got by. In fact we I won't even say that. We were ever all of us were like all of us were using our credit cards to live. And anytime we'd get a per diem, we would just stash it and stick it under our, you know, mattresses in our buck, you know, and <clears throat> come home with like maybe an extra five, six, seven hundred bucks after all that. We were really scrounging. We were we were broke. We were really poor. So the thinking that I did when that all went down was I don't ever want to be this broke again. <clears throat> I don't think that this is an option for me. This sucks. And now I have you know this great I have these great memories, but there isn't really anything you know financially speaking to to show for it. And so I made the decision. It took me a little bit to think about. It. I was still playing with Ryan and Adrian. Adrian was our former drummer, and you know we were looking for a new singer to replace Eric. And you know we were on that journey. And then at some point, I just decided, yeah, you know I don't really want to be. It's this is taking a lot of time. I, I think I just got to step away for a while. So I, I actually didn't pick up my instrument for a couple of years after that. And um, but I fell back onto my whole tech background. So luck, lucky for me, I was a computer nerd in high school, <laughs> and I, I don't have any formal education. But you know, I'm a designer and I write front end code. So I just picked up the pieces for all the technology that I missed over those years that we were touring and doing the band thing. A lot of things had changed, but I had a couple of friends who kind of guided guided me and coached me. And about six months later, it was about June of 2008, I landed my first tech job at a startup and kind of been doing that whole thing ever since. I've been through a number of startups and worked at some bigger companies. And nowadays, I'm still doing that. And I also have a side project, which we're going to talk about later, which I would love. I can't wait to share. Yeah, so make sure you guys stick around for the whole episode. And we will get to some esoteric topics as well. We're gonna we just want to make sure we hit the band stuff at first because well it's two things we wanted to cover today. So we want to make sure we hit both of them. Yeah. So just in case someone's just uh forgotten, um, the band's name is Strata. We're all on Spotify and Instagram. We are we are Strata. And I'll plug it again later, but I figure hey, you might be free, your hands might be free, you might pull out Plot the grams and follow us or something would be cool. But there's a yeah, there's a lot going on for us right now. It's real exciting. We're in the middle of recording a, a whole full album, and that is just the coolest feeling. It feels everything about it feels awesome, and we're doing it the way we want to do at the pace that we want to go, and we're doing it completely ourselves. It's a DIY thing. We're not spending hardly any money. We just bought you know a couple handful of mics. You know, maybe a little bit of money on software, but we have a little crappy little practice studio, the same place actually that we recorded our first self titled. And yeah, we're just doing it ourselves and having them having the time of our lives. And we we can't wait to release this thing and show the world what we've been up to and you know, just see where it takes us. We we are so proud of these songs. And they they come from our heart. They come from 
just every fiber of us. And yeah, I don't know. It's just everything's pretty sweet as far as all that goes. And so that I'll end it with that. When you were when you were picking well, I don't want to use the term picking up the pieces. When you were picking up the other cards in your deck, let's put it that way. You know, you were playing this you were playing your trump card at the time, the band, but then you know, you, like you said, you have other things. Those are your other cards that were in your hand. When you were picking those up, was there was there like a specific mindset or philosophy or something that like held you together? Yeah. Um, I wanted to get out of debt and I wanted to not be basically it had to do with just financial not freedom, but not flailing financially, you know? Uh, so just, like a single minded drive, essentially. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that was that was largely what motivated me. And I just didn't want to be in that position again, you know? And it was so it was fear. And then I actually moved I was living at my parents because what's the point? I was on the road so much. So I actually moved out even before I found a job. So that it would light, you know, fire under my ass to get my my act together. And and it totally did. Um, luckily enough, I had, you know, Alan, my cousin, who I mentioned earlier, um, we moved in, we got an apartment together. And it totally motivated me to, you know, just get moving. And yeah, and that journey just was crazy. So I started off that year with a pretty serious amount of debt, um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'd, I'd never seen that kind of money in my life, you know. And then by the end of the year, I uh, literally I, I paid that final credit card payment in December. I just dedicated all of the money that I earned at that new job, like straight at it. And I wasn't even getting paid that much, but it was, I was, I was not, I was not going out. I wasn't doing anything. I was just paying off that debt. And by the end of the year I was out. And it, so I started off the year with the death of a career and, you know, really bad financial situation. And I ended it with the, the birth of a new one and a, good financial situation. So I have this tattoo on my arm. It's like Roman numerals of 2008. And it's it's kind of the reminder that I have that says, yeah, you know, you could have the best worst year ever and you can make it through. And it's almost just a little bit of a reminder or, you know, it's just gotten pretty bleak for you. The totem, right? Um, let's, I want, let's peel back another layer of that. So if you were, if I, I know you well, I do know you well. And if you were a superbly Christian person, we could have this conversation right now where you'd say, I would go another layer. And you say that the reason you were able to do that was because of your belief in God. Or if you were a Stoic, you'd say it was a Stoic philosophy. That was like your one tent pole. So if there is one, like what is underneath, you know, like there's that drive, but what was the thing that was the scaffolding underneath that? You know, like what belief structure or what philosophy or ide- ideology allowed you to do that? Yeah. I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I'm not, I'm not religious at all. And I would say that the energy and the drive came from just wanting to be a happy person, you know, wanting to just, it really is that simple. I, to me, you know, we're all in that pursuit of happiness in one way or another. And every sort of little milestone we reach is just, you know, we feel like 
it's a it's a step in the right direction and chipping away at the at whatever it is and wherever we want to be. So I knew that you know there there's a there's an outcome here where I can live a happier and healthier and more full life if I can just solve a few things. So if that meant to kind of purge an entire career and focus on a new one, as hard as that might have been, I felt like it would have been a thing that it felt like it was a thing that was worth it. And, you know, and because those that would be the foundation of my future. And that's mm-hmm. if you think about it, you know, I'm okay, a brand new career that can be fruitful and good. That means yeah, if things go right, then you can do X, Y, and Z, you know, and all this stuff. And so to me, I saw that as my foundation and a new attempt and a stab at a new foundation for what what my future may become. So I would say that if you want to speak a little more like uh, I don't know, zoom out a little bit more, what drives that? I think that would I think I'd go with that is just I like being happy. I like life, you know. I, I don't and I like it when others around me are happy. And so I do spend a lot of time, you know, when when anytime friends need me or anything, I, I try to bleed happiness upon them in one way or another, whenever possible. And so I feel like I gotta be happy in order to do that first. And happy, I use that word a lot, but I just got to be comfortable and content and secure and feeling feeling good about the major things in life. And I can I can be there for my friends. I can be there for my family. You know, I can lift others around me. And so that's a big part of what I like to focus on these days is I like to show up for my friends. And so anyway, it all builds from that foundation, I would say. It's really interesting. I never noticed about this about you before. You're very vibey. You're, you're you're driven. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Some people might misunderstand that, but you're driven by vibes. You know what I mean? Like you're like I want happiness, and a lot of the words you use are about um, what some people might say intangible feelings. You know, like it's not a brick and it's not a pencil. It's happiness. That's an abstraction, right? right? Do you do you see that in yourselves? Do you do you see like that you're like almost like a, you're a gut person? Oh, I'm definitely a gut person, man. I could, I could have, I should have just came out with that. Um, it, it's the truth, man. I, at the end of the day, it is intangible stuff that drives me. I'm not really after material things, you know. Um, I am more about, yeah, feeling good. I want to be able to sleep with a clear conscience at night. You know, that's that's just the thing that you would. It's the thing that we take for granted when it's gone. You know. Right. And so I just, I live an honest life. I don't, I never lead anybody on. I don't really have any intentions or motivations by any of that sort of stuff. And I do sleep well at night. And I know that I've, you know, even if shitty things go on, at least I know that I've been honest. So uh, at least I got that. And anyway, yeah, I guess I'm a vibe guy. I'll accept it. Gut, gut, gut is a different way of saying it, right? Yeah. Speaking um, of gut stuff, for just like a second. No, no, go, go ahead. Um, While you're here. So, I used to work at Twenty Three and Me. Um, I worked there for nearly three years, and back in August, I got this opportunity to take on this remote job. So I'd be working from home, or anyway, there's no office, and so it came along. And it was incredibly appealing to me. And 
man, it was just like the toughest decision. I had this war going on between my brain and my brain who's saying, dude, what, what, what the fuck are you, you know, leave this, this company's awesome, but they're feeding you, they're paying you well, they're taking care of like your, your benefits are off, you know, awesome. The people you work with are great. The company's mission is awesome. You know, why would you leave? You know? And then my gut is saying, you gotta go, you gotta go. And so I followed my gut. I left the company and it was just freaking hard, man. It was really, really, it was a tough one. And I started this, you know, new job that's going great. And for the most part, it's going well. You know, there's like a, there's some learning curve and things are different. I'm not used to being at home all the time and all that kind of stuff, but all, you know, overcomable, you know, things, obstacles. And then a couple things happened, right? The band started picking up where, okay, hey, we might be on the road. Oh, wait, <laughs> I work remote. So that's convenient. And so that was just, that happened first. And I was just, okay, well, wow, okay. I guess my gut was right. And then just two weeks ago, 23 Me lays off 100 people. And um, I figured, hey, you know, there's a chance I could have been a part of that. So I dodged that bullet as well. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm finding out who's been let go. And it's just so sad. It's got to be so hard to figure out who to fire. And even, you know, when everyone's great, it's that's one of my biggest fears is maybe someday a, a founder of some kind of company is firing people who don't deserve to be fired, but you got to, I don't know. But anyway, so my gut was on point and it, it, it is, is really been accurate and has steered me in the right direction over the years. And this is a, a perfect example of that. And I'm fortunate, you know, I, I, I think of this as just some kind of a, lucky miracle that it ended up this way but it's just my gut and you just kind of reading understanding things i don't even know i'm understanding you know kind of behind this just under like our like our brains just kind of do things without us knowing and then we get these feelings we figure hey something's not right here i don't know what it is it's in your subconscious and that's your gut feeling and so yeah pretty cool real little story so you think if you were if you were to like put to how you see the gut you see it as a as a functioning of the subconscious i can't think of any other explanation to this i i'm not spiritual or anything i I think that this is just you know our brains as humans that have evolved to um just kind of see read between the lines subconsciously and feel certain things going on without really identifying it as something in the foreground and and that's just that weird feeling where, you know, something's not adding up and you just don't really even know that it's there. And that's your gut. That's, I, that's the only explanation I could come up with. Do you put any stock in, into or have you even thought about the idea of the collective unconscious? No, I have not. I'm going to totally butcher this and Carl Jung will probably drag himself out of his grave to beat me with a bone from his leg. But um, <laughs> please take pictures if that happens. Cause... <laughs> so essentially the collective unconscious is on some level, there is a connection of all of our consciousness mm. and in some way that we all without our knowing it are communicating with each other. And it's not a spiritual idea necessarily. It's, it was something that he came up with to explain some of the things that he couldn't explain in his practice. 
why certain things like synchronicities or like um, what happened to you. Like I have this gut that I should leave this. And then all these other things start lining up behind that choice. Oh, the band starts taking off and I'm mobile now. Oh, well, those two things fit together. That's cool. And then 23andMe lays people off and you could have been part of that. Like, so, I mean, I, I guess what I'm hinting at is like, do you think like if you were to actually like think about it right now for the first time, since you said you haven't thought about it before, do you think that there's any stock to this idea that like there was there's something connecting all of our thoughts in some invisible way that most of us are unaware of? That's I, I couldn't I don't I have no idea. I, I have I don't think we know enough about you know the universe to be able to answer that. I, I think we could suspect that there's something that is has something to do with... I've always kind of been on this train of thought, but um, I always felt like there's probably something having to do with energy that is some ubiquitous thing that happens in the universe and or the multiverses or whatever. (laughs) And we can't even fathom what it actually is or wrap our heads around it. And maybe someday, you know, as a human species or whatever we end up becoming we can get those answers. But at this point, it's, you know, I take a scientific approach to these sorts of things. And there are sometimes, you know, real interesting coincidences that happen. And those are the times where I start thinking, Hey man, what the fuck was that about? How are we, how is there nothing like extra? You know, I kind of go down, go, go on a, you know, that, I get on that train and I start thinking about that sometimes. And, and then I don't know, it just, I, I, I lose it. You know, I don't really have any, and I'm not the type of person that I, I, I like evidence. You know, if I'm going to go with something, I, I roll with, Hey, what, what I saw, what I experienced, you know, what I feel and all that sort of stuff. And I kind of, it's a cocktail that kind of, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll drink and then I'll have a, an idea of where I stand on something. You know, that's just me personally. But as far as energy and, you know, what you just described, I just don't know. I don't really have any, I, I want something like that to happen to, to exist and for us to know about it and everything. And God, that would, that would just answer so many questions. Right. But I just don't, I have nothing. I got nothing on that, man. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting is, I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if this is just from my perspective, but it seems like in the last, I'm going to just say the last 10 or 15 years that, um, and this is not pointed at you. This is actually pointed at people saying something different than what you're saying, because I think you're saying the opposite of what I'm about to say. But when people say the phrase, like you said, I take a scientific perspective, a lot of people now, when they say that, it tends to mean that they're not curious anymore. That they're they're coming from an assumption. When they say that, what they're saying is, we know what exists and what doesn't exist. It's black or white for them. But the scientific perspective at its heart is curious because that's how that's why we create hypotheses, right? It's like, what the hell is this? Why is this happening? I'm curious. Now I need to test and find out. It comes from a curiosity. But it seems like there's this movement of like scientific reductionism. Do you see that at all? I know what you mean. I mean, I agree with you. I think that 
science is the answer to curiosity, right? Where we need answers. So let's figure it out. <laughs> let's peel back whatever onions there are. Let's do experiments. Let's try to get answers. And as far as, I don't know, I, I, I don't get a sense. I don't think I agree with what you say. I, I think that they're science, the people who are studying actual science, they will never lose curiosity. That is, that is a thing that it becomes a part of you, scientists and whatnot, right? Anybody, uh, any kind of science. Um, but when there are people who are like you described saying, yeah, I'll just take the scientific approach. I think they just are, maybe there is a little bit of laziness here. You know, I'm not seeing it. So, Hey, I'm not thinking about it. And that kind of thing. I personally don't resonate with that. I, I am infatuated by things that we don't know. I think it's, it's awesome. You know, like anything space related, that is a mystery. Exactly. Or, I mean, how could you not be curious just looking in the fucking sky? It's um, It blows my mind every freaking time I sit there and maybe I'm a little stoned and I'll just look up the sky. Like the other day I was telling a friend, a couple of years ago I had this cottage in Los Gatos and I had a telescope. One night I got real stoned, went out there and pointed at the moon. It was a full moon and I felt like you know, I was right up there. It was just giant in the view, you know, in the viewfinder. And I just, I like stood up and <laughs> just remember thinking like, that thing's just there. It, I, it sounds crazy or weird. I know exactly what you mean. But it just dawned on me in this kind of state of mind that I was in that it's just this big fucking rock. And it's, just, <laughs> and it's there. It's not even that far. It's right there. And it's been there as far as we can remember as humans, right? And and it's just so reliably there. And <laughs> I don't know, it just blew my mind. And that's just the moon, just the moon. That's not even our, just even other planets or the dozens of plant, uh, satellites some of the other planets have or the scale of our solar system, not much less the scale of our universe or our uh, galaxy, much less the scale of our universe. I mean, it is... When I go on those trains, that's when I get really... I love it. A lot of people get scared by those types of conversations where they feel like they're really minuscule and literally nothing. Right. Less than sand. Yeah. Way less than sand. And it's it's true. That feeling that you get from the moon is funny because I've tried to explain... that I shouldn't say you get from the moon. You got from the moon in that one particular instance and from mm-hmm. other things. Um, it's... I've tried to explain that experience to people before. And when you try to put that into words, it sounds so stupid because you're literally, it's like you're realizing something that's been obvious. So that when you try to explain to something like, Oh, this obvious thing, finally, like the profundity of this obvious thing finally hit me. It sounds stupid because all you're stating is the obvious thing. Like the the moon is there. Right. (laughs) Or like, like the first, like when uh, I went, I saw Radiohead and I was like in like the third row and like the first hour I was just sitting there and getting my mind to digest like, Hey, that, that, that person right there, like 15 feet away from you, that's Tom York. No, 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 that's him. He's, he's like in the flesh. He's right there. Not like fanboying out, but like trying to turn off the part of my brain that was like seeing him like he was still on television. Right. Oh, right, right. Going, no, no, that's a human, that is a human being. You know, like almost like I was trying to get my mind to accept the fact that he wasn't an imaginary character. Yeah. 
because you know like celebrities and stuff like that we we know a lot about them i'm using air quotes right now but we see their faces and all the things but as far as their impact in our lives they're kind of similar to fictional characters you know like right like, or like uh, I forget what the, what the um, Scorsese movie of the Bob Dylan concert is called. Ooh, I forget. The, the I band played on about, or something like that. Um, but there's a scene in there where Bob Dylan. It's not even a Bob Dylan concert. It's a multiple person concert. But Bob Dylan comes on at one point, and I remember watching that documentary. And he comes on, and there was something about the way he was dressed and the way he looked. That for the first time, I was looking at Bob Dylan not as an icon, but looking at him and going, "Oh my God, he's a person." Like, and, and like I said, what, what I was saying about like your thought about the moon. Explaining that sounds so stupid, but it was a really profound moment. Yeah, I mean, it, profound moments can come at you real fast, and that was one of those moments for me. Just, and yeah, I've actually had those realizations of people celebrities and realizing that they're just just people doing their thing and every every now and then when i do get to meet somebody it's i don't know i get the same thing where i'm like yeah just the person doing their thing it's it has always been the case it's like but there's so many times i've had the pleasure on this microphone to talk to people that i never thought in my life that i would talk to and the moment like two Two seconds in, we start talking. I'm like, oh, I'm just having a conversation. I'm no longer thinking about who I'm talking to. I mean, I am in the context of the conversation, but I mean, I'm, the buildup and all of that stuff, it's it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Um, let's, let's go back to something that I wanted to ask you about. Actually, there's multiple things. I have all these scribbles on this piece of paper. Hopefully, I can read them. <laughs> so I've been reading a lot of... Nobody knows this term, which is interesting, but it's called the New Thought Movement. Mm-hmm. Go it's on. Not really, it's not really new. It goes all the way back to like 1800s. <laughs> I think that's when the, t- the term was coined. That's why. Right. But uh, I'm reading about them from an occultist who studied some of these figures. And uh, one, of the, one of the characters is a character I've mentioned multiple times on the show because, like I said, just finished reading the book. And his name was Neville Goddard. And without going like into all of his history and all that, which is not important right now, one of the things, and it's a a key moment in this new thought in this new thought movement, was his belief that we have creative power, and not just to like create things, but we actually create our future. Um, some people like it, it's very similar when you talk about it on a shallow level to something like the secret, but the secret is something really passive. The secret is like, I wish for this to happen. And then it comes to me. This guy is actually saying, or was actually saying, we create, we select like, this is what I want. And that is going to happen. And you are such a deterministic person. I'm curious, does that, does that do you find that ID, like the ideology interesting in any way? Yeah, I mean, I, I resonate with that for sure because, you know, there are times where we can definitely make our destiny, you know, happen. It, it's I, so 
I, I forget exactly how I worded this. I was talking to somebody. I've, I've said this a, a bunch of times over the years. Um, but you know how things just kind of, for the most part, you know, for most of the people, you know, just things just find out, find a way to work out. You know, I think that that is the, um, the way we are programmed as humans to just make shit work. You know, we, as for the most part, you know, as human beings, we just want to have good outcomes for ourselves, you know? And so we line up things in order to achieve those outcomes. And so if we, you know, I think this runs parallel with what you just described, you know? Um, but if, if we're, if let's say that's fact and we humans have this tendency to just want to be happy and just want to make things work and all that stuff, it all works out in the end. You know, that's like a thing you hear all the time. Then, yeah, then it, it makes sense. You know, because we, if, if part of what you want as a person in your life is to, I don't know, for example, you want to move to a farm in Montana or something. Then you know. Then you start kind of moving the moving the pieces around slowly. If that's the thing you really really want to do, so it, less so having that just wish. Hey, I wish I could just do this. But if you have that little bit of you know seriousness and driving you to actually go through with things, you know that being an example, then you can make it happen. Uh, you know, we have the we have some power at least with how we conduct ourselves, the decisions we make, the people we, you know, interact with. And, you know, and some of it has to do with like luck and opportunity. You know, sometimes, hey, we might meet the right person at the right time. And then that totally changed the course of our lives. And now all of a sudden there's this new thing we want. And it's totally within reach because of a person or something, you know. So there's all these factors. But I think that we as... As individuals as people do have influence on you know what what ends up happening to ourselves and obvious I'd say that's this is an obvious statement you know we we want to you know want to pull off something make something happen for ourselves we can we can start heading in that direction and do the best we can to get there and if it's just not working out it's not in the cards then you know I'm I'm the type of person that thinks that failure is a opportunity to learn and be better and. So then it's all part of the journey, right? Do you place any any stock in the idea that when like for example, everything you said there could be read two ways. There could be the way that we have control, you know, we have the power to do things. That could be read as we work. You know, we we physically interact and that's obviously true. You know, like I want your example, I need to pay off this debt. I go to work every day and I pay it off. We have that control. We have that influence. But it could also be read as we have influence over something bigger than the things that we can touch with our hands. Does that, did I word that in a way that makes sense? My, my point? I think I could use an example. Um, Neville, this is what Neville Goddard is getting at is not only do we have control over the things that we can physically interact with, but we can select our future. So even things that would seem like they are out of our control, like um, I'm going to get this job. Not You don't really have control over that. All you have control of is the interview, right? And the resume. That's all you have control of. But to actually say no and to believe 
his his thought was if you believe you're going to get that job and you actually use the creative power of your mind to I don't want to use this word because this word is associated with a more wishy-washy version of of new thought but manifesting right you're manifesting a future you're not just creating actions as a human being but you also have some to make it very obvious, I'm going to use a term that I shouldn't use here, but you have a superpower. <laughs> it's such a, a, a ridiculous term, but you know, comic books are so popular right now. I'm trying to get across the point that I'm not talking about that we have influence just in the way of the most basic human level. But what he was suggesting is that we have power to create futures, that the Bible is... A, he said the Bible was a metaphor that God in the Bible is a metaphor for the creative power of the human being, mm. which is very interesting. You know, I, like, I've just read this stuff. I'm not saying that I believe it or I don't believe it. I'm curious right. what you think of it, hearing it for the first time. Like, is that what you were hinting at? For the most, I mean, as I'm processing this, yeah, for the most part, I think that for your in your example with the job interview, right? You have whatever control on your end to perform at this job interview, and. I think that there's no amount of manifesting, you know, that job or whatever, getting that job or whatever that can make you better at, I don't know, writing code or, you know, being an accountant or whatever it is. I don't really necessarily subscribe to that like idea altogether. Totally. I think that there's just so much more to it. And it goes right back to the whole thing I was saying about, yeah, we just want to be, you know, we just want our lives to be good. So we're going to do the things that we think are going to, you know, help us get there. And so I don't know. It's, they're almost the same thing, but they're not. It's, it's less for me. It's just very transactional. Hey, you know, you do this and then you get that. And, you know, that's largely how I kind of approach things, I guess you could say. I mean, I guess I'm a vibes guy. Which I agree with, but um, I don't really think that there is any. It, it's up to you. It's up to us, and, and a little bit of luck, maybe. Um, and I don't even like saying luck because I don't even know if. Luck, I mean, it, luck is a weird subject for me. I'm so uncertain about whatever what to think about it. Right. And so, let me but, let me throw one more thing at you. Yeah, sure. Is, this is something I literally just read last night. It's just, it was, and I think it's the middle ground between the two things, the two extremes of what we're talking about. And what you just said right there almost lines up exactly with this idea. So in an article that I'm not going to remember the title of, sorry, people listening, uh, Mitch Horowitz talks about the idea of the card in the tarot deck known as the Wheel of Fortune. And the way he describes the Wheel of Fortune is essentially... The wheel of fortune spins. And as it spins, sometimes as it's spinning, it will point at you. And it's like that, you know, that's your moment. It happens more than once, but that when it points at you, it's, it's, that's your moment. But your responsibility is to be in the best position possible for when that wheel spins and it's pointed at you. So for example, if you want to be the best film director in the world, well, part of that is going to require fame, right? To be considered the greatest. But it's also going to require skill. So if that spotlight of that wheel of fortune spins 
for your moment, for everybody to see a movie that you made and you haven't done the work to be a good film director, you just shit away your chance on the wheel of fortune because you weren't ready. But if you do the work to be a good director and you're busting your ass for all the time that the wheel is not pointing at you, then when it does point at you and you're in the right position, then you get what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. That to me makes sense. Be prepared for, you know, that saying, uh, dress for the job you want to have. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, no, but I, apparently a, i want to be a nanny <laughs> <laughs> elastic waist pants and a t-shirt every day nice hey then maybe you know you can just manifest that right just well, better pants no you can be a nanny you can be a nanny Chad. you can do this i can be the nanny i could be you can be the best nanny in the world <laughs> you, <laughs> you just gotta wait for that wheel of fortune <laughs> point no. at you. How did I get stuck with somebody else's wheel? It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, um, I, I do, I do think that makes sense, you know, and that you see that happen all the time, right? You got a person who's been making, um, let's say these really weird belts for 15 years. They got really, really badass at it. And sorry, I don't know if this person exists. I'm just making this shit up. We're talking about Shay. Remember Shay? Oh yeah. 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 He, he made awesome belts. Yeah. So, and then, you know, the day comes where, yeah, you know, the right person saw your belt and now you're in a bunch of stores. I don't know. Right. Like stupid example, but but yeah, it's like the, it's not luck. It's chance. Right. Exactly. I was thinking the word chance when I was saying, I was talking about luck earlier. Yeah. It's chance and it's timing. It's your, the fact that you know your shit now, you know, it's the fact that you might have learned a few things along the way that makes you stand out. I don't know. You know, there's all, there are all these factors in there that it's kind of like what you were saying about the band. Like you're at this point where like, Oh, you think rock music is going to come back, have a comeback because it's kind of been pushed for a while, you know, electronic and hip hop and R and B have been like the Kings for a while. You guys feel like for at this time, you're in the right position to be making that kind of music. That maybe the wheel of fortune is going to be pointed at you. Hey, you know, one can hope. I, I really have a good feeling about it. But you know, there's so many factors when it comes to trying to make it as a musician or something, as a band, as a musician, and it it doesn't set itself apart from anything else like belt making or something. You know, at the end of the day, if what you're doing as let's say a band is good. And you are, there's some thought put into the music, maybe, and you can connect with people with the music. And that certain, you know, genre and style just resonates with, with folks. And, you know, you get the right chance and you take it and you're ready, you know, then good things can happen. But hey, also nothing could happen. So nobody knows. The biggest curse for a writer. A lot, of, a lot of people might not agree with me on this, but the biggest curse for a writer is to have a bestseller on their first book. All oh, right, Yeah, there you go. Because then they got to top that, right? Yeah, look at... Or bands, right? Like, amazing yep. album, first album. They're the biggest band in the world. No matter what, the sophomore album is going to be considered shit. By... Even if it isn't. Exactly. Like Pearl Jam. Their second album was great, but everybody said it was shit. It, it, it might take some time for people to come around. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I mean, luckily we didn't have any smash hits or any of that. So <laughs> we, we, we have the flexibility and the freedom as our artists making art. That was like one of my, I think that when people in, in the world that we exist in right now with social media, so many people are trying to become stars just through social media, right? And they're all operating, and maybe it's because they're all young, because I think you and I have this mindset as well. It's like faster it happens, the better, you know, because first of all, I think we always assumed it was going to happen for, for both of us, you know, in our own ways. Um, but the faster it happens, the better. And I think that a lot of these young people with social media are kind of thinking the same thing too. But in reality, like if you look at like a YouTube star, like, do you really want somebody like, I don't know, somebody who can get you, we'll just say somebody famous who can get you 6,000 or 6 million views. Do you really want them pointing somebody to your video or to your channel when you're not good yet? Because now 6 million people just saw something that they didn't like. And they're always going to associate you with that thing that they didn't like. Wouldn't it be better for them, somebody to direct traffic to you when you're actually skilled and gifted? Yeah. I mean, timing. That goes right down to timing. And it's a part of this whole thing, I think. But yeah, there's also... Some, see, I always have the counter arguments. There's something to be said that even if you suck, you have 6 million people headed your way for whatever you know channel or whatever. There's going to be a percentage of them that do like what you're doing. Right. There's, it's never black and white. And so not all is lost. But yeah, I think that you're going to you know maximize you know what you're trying to do or trying to achieve with your channel or whatever it was, if you are, if you do have the experience behind it, you're just, or you're just naturally good. And some, you know, for some reason, or you did, the talent is clearly there, you know, but yeah, if you don't feel like it's there, Hey, you know, you, you, it might be imposter syndrome, right? That's the thing. You, you might think you suck at this thing and not are not ready for the traffic or any of that. So you don't want to really be kind of, you don't want the attention right now because you're self-conscious about it maybe or something like that. But like, Hey man, if, 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 if it happens, you got to roll with it, I guess. Well, you know, you reminded me of in there. Have you ever read Kevin Kelly's, uh, 1000 true fans? Uh, No, I'm not. It's, it's a short essay. Um, he wrote it a long time ago, but it keeps coming back up. Tim Ferriss is a huge fan of it. So he's always plugging it. Mm -hmm. But essentially Kevin Kelly's argument is that, you don't need a huge audience to be successful. You just need 1,000 true fans. 1,000 people... If you can get 1,000 people who are willing to support you $100 each a year, that's $100,000. You don't need millions of people to survive. You just need 1,000 people that care deeply about what you're doing. And it goes back to like what you were saying about the belt and or what you just said about, you know, those people that will stick around because they are interested in what you're doing. It's about cultivating a niche. You know, like this is like Jim Rogan is best example of that ever. When he started out, let's see, a comedian who wants to talk about DMT, martial arts, politics, all of the shit that he wanted to talk about, all of that in one show should not have worked. 
if you were to look at expected formats, right? If it was a television show and you said the television show is going to be about these things, they would have said, nope. But he just kept doing it and he started getting people who wanted to follow him. And now he's probably, without a doubt, the biggest podcast in the world. Without yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess he brought in 30 million from his podcast in 2019. Fuck. That's bank. That's, That's bank. So yeah. So, so, but his, his rise was a gradual one. He's been at it for so long, you know, like 11 years. Yeah. I almost feel like if you're, you've done some for, you do something long enough, you're going to get good at it. Most people would anyway. And just, I would say, keep doing it. And, as long, especially if it is a thing you love, people will notice. People will definitely notice, and eventually, like the, it will, it comes back around. I feel I can't help but feel that it it does, you know. And I've just seen it happen a bunch of times. That's like one of the things that I've been paying attention to. You know, like people who are listening don't know this, but when we originally, actually, technically, since I started this podcast, you've been a prospective guest <laughs> we just never actually got around to making it happen mm. for the three years that I've been doing this. But when we finally said, okay, we're going to do it this time. Uh, it was before I took the show like into the more esoteric area that I've taken it now. And since I've done that, since I've changed that, it's a, you and I talked about this before too, that like the tides of an audience, right? You're at a high tide, you're at a low tide. Well, when you change kind of into a new direction, your tide goes low for a while. But there's something that's very interesting, at least this time for me, is I feel more confident in the area that I'm in. Um, not confident in the fact that I know what the fuck I'm talking about, but confident in the fact that I don't know what I'm talking about. And that the conversation, when I have guests, the conversations are more interesting because I, I'm not coming from a place of trying to convince anybody of anything. Mm-hmm. So there's this exchange that happens. You know, like we just talked about those ideas. I don't know what I think of them and they're new to me. I heard what you thought about them. That's probably going to feed into what I think about them. And then I have, I do solo episodes where it's just like, there's shit that I've been reading and thinking about all week. And it's just, it feels different. And I know that even though the tide is lower, that the people that want to listen to this stuff, this type of topics and these conversations, I'm doing something in my way and it's going to be something that they can't get anywhere else, which is not the point, you know, not to create a product that's, it's not about the product, but it's about the process. But it is being in that place. Like I finally feel with this that I'm in the place where I want to stay that for that wheel to come around. You know, like I'm just going to keep chugging away at this. You know why? Because it's fun. I love it. And I feel like I'm in the right space. So you're definitely right on that. I definitely think that bands go through that too, right? Where we're making the music we want to make. So many times, well, you know, like when you when you guys first went with the with the label, there was a lot of push and pull for you guys to sound a certain way. I know. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. There was we for the most part had creative control, but then we did have a lot of influence from, I mean, it wasn't just one cook in the kitchen. We had like five and whether it was management or the owners of our record label or A&R person or like our publishing person or whatever it was, there was always some kind of 
you know, pressure from somewhere to kind of pull off a song that kind of does a little something like this or something like that. And, you know, as artists, it's really hard to hear that stuff. Um, especially if you, you really, really care about the art that you're making. And so, yeah, that was definitely a factor. But I, back to what you were saying about it, this feeling, right? I mean, that, see, people will notice. I think people notice when you're doing something that you feel good about. And maybe the, maybe you're at a low tide or whatever, but the, qual- the, the quality of the listener, you know, is go, goes up. And so that kind of offsets, hopefully, you know, your low tide. And then, but then the tide goes back up. So then eventually I could see that you will have a higher tide with higher quality listeners who can, you know, resonate more with the, you know, the stuff you have to say and your thoughts and can interact more with you and all that good stuff, you know. So I, I see it going in a good direction. Well, you know, like the, and I, I want to, I'm going to throw this back to you. Um, not only we've been focusing a lot on music, but just you have other creative avenues as well. So I'm going to throw it back to you as a general creative idea. When you are, I'll use a specific example so that it's more tangible. My focus before this on the show, for the most part, was creativity. And what I found at the time was like, oh, of course I'm into creativity. I'm a creative person. That's why I started doing that, right? This seems good. I can, you know, I talk about this stuff and then it's going to make me more creative. That was the idea. Like, oh, this is really good. But I found out, at least for me, somebody else going through the journey will be completely different. But for me, I found out that that well ran dry very fast. That those topics became repetitive very quickly. That I found myself repeating the same things over and over again because there were only so many new things to discover about creativity. And it started to creating the podcast started to become exhausting because I was searching for things that that weren't there or that were like so far and so stretched out of like the concept of what I was trying to do that it was no longer enjoyable. And like I said, the way the way I'm going to throw it back to you is: Have you ever felt that? And how did you know that like, it was time for you to like, all right, I got to cut this? Hmm. Interesting. Um, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, I can understand your uh, your example with running out of steam as far as a topic goes, but I haven't really done anything like a format like this. What about when you guys when uh, throw a specific example? What about um, when you and John were working together? How did you two know that that that, that, that it had sunset? The you know the time on that had passed. Right. I think that we got, um, you know, not to in this case in this particular situation with John. Uh, just for some context, John is a dear friend of mine, and back in the day, we had a you know little kind of web design and you know implementation company called heavy big which was awesome when i was around i've used that word that name for a dozen things at this point <laughs> but for a while it was like a web design company um and yeah we we did it i think at a time where both of us had the flexibility and the freedom to do it and then i think that we just felt like we, we both kind of moved on we our interests changed a little bit you know and we both got jobs that um 
you know, um, start taking up more of our time. So in that case, it was a little bit different, you know, it wasn't so much about knowing when to move on. It was just a lot more about, Hey, logically this makes sense because yeah, things are going better for us at work and this is a cool thing, but you know, this wasn't our livelihood or anything, you know? And, um, but I'm trying to think of an example where... What about the lamps? Okay. Hey, that's a perfect example. Perfect. So back in the day, using the heavy big moniker, um, I was making these, in my opinion, really fucking cool lamps. They um, were all made like CNC'd out of wood. And I loved designing them and making them. And you could tell, man, it was just... I just poured my heart into these things. I tried selling them at a price point and I had trouble. And so I kind of tried to come up with a design that would cost less to produce and all that. So I did and made a handful of them and tried, you know, I sold them and friends and a couple of random people bought them. You know, I had this website set up and and that was cool. I was just building them, shipping them myself, kind of built to order, you know. I didn't sell that many, maybe 50 or so. And then a lot. (laughs) Right. And but it was more of like a really good exercise of how to build a product from scratch and figure out components and all these little things, even though it's just a lamp, you know, it's nothing too complex. But I, I started figuring out something. I really liked making these things and I liked talking about them and showing people how cool they were. And when I got the chance, people really liked what they heard and saw. But then you got to, you got to, it's hard to communicate those things to your average person who's looking to buy a lamp. And so I had to, you know, a lot of people, the complaint was that it was too expensive. I had it priced at like a hundred bucks and I dropped it gradually and still it was too expensive. So apparently 30 bucks is the price point for, you know, a handmade lamp. <laughs> wow. Um, that's but a drop. That's actually because I was not doing high quantities. The the you know price of materials alone was about twenty twenty two bucks. So you know I would I'd literally be losing money right on them. Not you know. Anyway, so I learned that I didn't really like selling. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah, trying to sell my art, trying to sell this thing that you know is a or like you know not so you know cheesy, but kind of a part of my heart. You know, like I, I put in different kind of effort in this thing. Every little design consideration, every little, you know, everything, everything was handmade, I, you know? And so I was like, it just really felt sticky trying to convince people to buy, you know, this thing that I put so much into, you know? And so I just decided to stop altogether. And I, I, I'm really glad I did because I, I learned a thing about myself uh, that, yeah. Maybe selling is not my best point. You know, I could talk about something, but I'm not. I'm not sitting around trying to convince people. Uh, I just it just doesn't feel good. Yeah, there's a. I've never been comfortable with it. You know, like it, I do. I've got to the point where I'm comfortable with it at the end of the shows, like saying, you know, like follow me on social media and you know, mm-hmm. plugging my Patreon as best as I can, but. I'm not the person that's going to be on social media whoring my shit. You know, like I post when my episodes come out, I announce it once <laughs> and I move on. Yeah. Other people like announce it like for a week. And I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong. I just, they, they're better than me. I'll give them that. 
Yeah, maybe they're trying to catch the people who didn't see it the first time. I don't know. Well, they're probably right. I just always felt weird. And maybe I need to move through that too. Maybe some of that is um, it's not all uncomfortability with sales. Some of it might be insecurity as well that I have to work through. Yeah, well, I think that it's a muscle that can be exercised. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, there could be ways to where you feel comfortable doing it. You know, you can do it your way. And find a way that, you know, doesn't feel sticky, or icky or anything. But I, you know, speaking of, this is a good time to switch, switch the topics to, yep. I was about to do the same. <laughs> so I'm building this app and it's going to require me to sell. <laughs> so I don't really know how to cross this bridge quite yet. I, I know I'm gonna, and I, I know I'll figure it out, but I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it. So the premise of this app it's it's called humbly it's a podcasting app just like how you know you would use apple podcast or overcast or something but there's a a bit of a twist to it so just by using this app you will be raising money for charities and good causes so this is the part of this app that really really gets me excited and is is at the is at the heart of it all you know so these charities and good causes you choose as a, as a listener. So you, you would install this app and you go through this process that tells it asks you, Hey, what, where do you want your money to go? Kind of like a smile.amazon.com sort of right. thing. So for, for the time being, when we were, when I, when I release this thing, it's just going to be categories. So like environment, health, you know, that sort of thing. And I think there's 11, maybe 12 of these categories to choose from. But then over time, I'm going to be able to get more granular. So I'll be able to, pick out specific charities or you will be able to as a listener to pick out specific charities that you want, you know, the proceeds to go to. Um, and what are those proceeds? Well, you know, the idea is to have, and I've done some surveys and some research behind this and I got a pretty good signal, but you're going to hear, or the users are going to hear an extra, like a commercial when you hit play right in the beginning. And and at the end of the episode, once it ends, I think that's a pretty non-invasive thing. And there's there's going to be a, a very large percentage of whatever that ad spend was going towards the charities that you chose, you know, as a as a listener. So I think that that alone is cool. I think people want. I'm I'm making a bet that people out there do want to do good. They, you know, they would donate maybe. And then there's some barriers, like you know, maybe it's actually the spending of money that doesn't feel good. Or maybe it's just like, yeah, we don't know where we want to spend it. Or um, or maybe it's just, you know, I don't want to give my credit card or something like that. There's all these barriers. So this doesn't require any of those. You can just pick any category or you can just put it on autopilot and we'll figure it out. But at the end of the day, it's just... It's this, it's this app. And also, I kind of had this... I'm not saying I'm like the best UI or UX person ever, but I, I definitely have my hangups on some of the podcast apps out there, especially Apple, Apple's version of it. And you and I have definitely nerded out about this. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I want to make my app also stand out and be able to stand on its own too, just um with some of the things I'm doing in the UX perspective. Before you go into UX, um I have a couple things I want to clarify for the audience about the charity. Um first of all, or about the app in general, this is not an app they're gonna have to pay for in any way, right? Oh no, no, it's free. It's going to be a free app. Yeah. And then... Sorry, it'll be on iOS only at first. I'm working on that. 
hopefully, fingers crossed, because Android fucking podcast app sucks. So hopefully you'll be on Android soon. Yes, I've heard. <laughs> but uh, so it's, it's free. They're not going to... And they're not paying for the... Um, I understand this. I want to make sure everybody else understands. They're not paying for the, the charities. All you're doing is... I'm going to I'm going to re I'm going to reword what you said and then you correct me where I'm wrong. Sure. If I if I'm making a podcast that has no as a podcast player uh, as a podcast maker, if I have no ads in my episode and it, someone listens to it on your app, they're going to hear one ad at the beginning and one ad at the end. If I am a podcast uh maker who adds uh, probably a bad way to say that <laughs> who cuts <laughs> yeah. who cuts in ads You'll hear my ads with the addition of those two as well, right? So yeah, I'm not. I will not be manipulating any audio in any sense of like trying to interject any ads in the middle of any experience while you're listening to a podcast. I think that's shitty. Like, that's just not yeah, a good yeah. thing to do. That's just. I mean, who knows? You know, like a nightmare scenario would be. I put in an ad right in the middle of another ad. Like that would be horrible, <laughs> right? So the last thing I want to do is make anyone feel you know, icky about using this thing. So that's why I figured, hey, you know, right in the beginning, right at the end, these are predictable times. It kind of follows a little bit of some other, you know, apps that have been out there, music apps that do ads. And obviously music is a lot shorter of a form, so they can throw in a lot more at you. But I just have a feeling that um, people are okay with this. Not everyone, you know, but I think prefer it. But I think there's a lot of people out there who are going to be totally okay with, hey, yeah, I got a couple extra ads. And you know what? Actually, and my goal is to make these ads, like have them be quality, you know, ads. And there's going to be eventually like a studio where we're going to be making ads for people and just give us what you want and we'll, we'll make it work. This is a thing that definitely doesn't scale. It's a thing that is, you know, a really weird thing to want to do, but I, I really can't wait to do it. And, and, but yeah, but you know that's the gist of the the app itself. And well, when I say people prefer it, you know that. Are you aware of the test that Tim Ferriss did with taking ads out of his podcast? Oh no, no, I don't. You'll find this very interesting. It's, it definitely proves your point. Um, he must have been like less than a year ago. He's always done ads. I don't know if you've ever listened to his podcast. Yeah, yeah He's, for sure. And he they're usually like the first five minutes, like him and Rogan. Right. They do. All yeah. at the beginning. But it's a lot of ads, but it's at the beginning. Well, he said, I'm going to do a test. I'm going to go... I, I don't remember if he... I don't think he used Patreon. I think he did something separate, like something on his website. But said, I'm going to go to user support. I'm going to try out user support. And so he set up the whole thing and he had no commercials. And I, I don't even think it was like five episodes go by and he's back doing ads. And he's like, he came back on and he said, he's like, why are there ads again? He's like, because I found out from you guys that you would rather have the ads. Hmm. And they not only because they trusted him to pick ads that they found interesting and products they found interesting, um, but they just they preferred that way of monetization. They didn't mind the ads. Like, oh, hmm. I don't have to pay anything and I get this free show and I'm paying with my attention. So that definitely proves your point. Yeah, totally. That's exactly the idea. And, you know, if you listen to a, for the most part, like a pretty much a complete ad in Humbly, you know, there's going to be a little ledger that says, okay, cool. You just earned this much for this charity, you know? And if you skip it, and what's cool about this is you can skip the whole ad. I know exactly when it starts and when it ends, right? So, 
you don't have to go 30 seconds forward and then 10 seconds back or any of that. It's just going to be like, boom, skip. Cause I'll know exactly what's up. So if you want to just use it and just skip every ad, that's cool, but you're not raising money for charity. Right. And so, and another thing I really want to do, and I'm, I'm working this out in my head still, but I want to give back to pot to content creators as well. You know, there's their content is being utilized to, you know, have to sell ads more or less. Right. I think that some money should go to content creators as well. I don't exactly know how the mechanics of this is going to work. But in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to just start keeping track of, you know, dollar amounts um, that might be belonging to a certain podcast because I will have the, you know, the tech stack to be able to track exactly which ad was listened to, how many times during which podcast, at what time, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'll be able to start keeping track from the beginning, day one of, um, yeah, what was listened to where, and then I'll figure out uh, some kind of a percentage split amongst all the you know, the proceeds from the ad spend. And I, w- I really want to give back to content creators. Like, there's some small podcasts that haven't made a buck, you know, right? And the only one doing anything even remotely like that is Anchor, right? That's the whole reason I went to Anchor. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we should talk a little bit more of that offline. Um, I'm curious to your experiences there. But yeah, I, I definitely want to think about the people who are doing this as a hobby. And hey, you know, maybe they didn't know, or maybe a year goes by and they find out that they have, I don't know, some money sitting in an account that they can just claim. Like that'd be cool, right? Absolutely. So I don't know. Maybe it's kind of idealistic and a bit of a pipe dream right now, but I don't think that any of this stuff is impossible or completely, you know, out of this world or anything. I just I want to make an app where people can have a better time listening to podcasts and have a better experience at the same time feel good about it because it's actually you know raising money for charity and stuff like that and I really want the I want content creators to benefit as well and I want like there's people out there and there's another thing like that it's it's kind of tough to spend money <laughs> advertising in podcasts there isn't any kind of uh you know a la carte sort of way. If you had like 20 bucks to spend, how are you going to spend that on podcasts? There's very, very little options. So I think that this could, this solves that too. And I don't know. I think collectively the potential that this could have is, is pretty sweet. And so anyways, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, well, I'm just off the top of my head, have you considered something like um, offering listeners the option to add one extra ad and that extra ad Goes to the content creator. Uh, I haven't thought about that one. No, I was thinking more of a split. I'm just throwing it out there just for you to roll around in your head. Like, oh, you know what? I'm willing to listen to two uh, ads at the beginning of this: one for the charity and one for this podcast. Right. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I could do and something they have like the that. Option so, too, right? Yeah, there's going to be some user options as to like what you hear. At first, there's going to be very little, maybe no control. Um. And because it's an MVP and just, I mean, this is just me building this thing. And I have a small team I've assembled out in Armenia who is awesome. And they've been really, really great to work with. But this is all me, you know, the whole, the creative direction, the design, actual, you know, I've even done some technical level stuff. So it's going to be kind of shitty when it comes out, <laughs> not to get everyone all excited, <laughs> but it's, it's a true, um, reflection of just, just get this thing together. Let's just, just get it out there and get people using it. And, you know, I, I'm going to have like a, a beta, a beta testing program 
which by the way, if you, if you do want to be a part of this beta testing program, um, check out humbly.fm. There's a form on there. It adds, it adds you to a newsletter, but I'm going to basically be reaching out to everybody who's signed up to that so far. And, you know, um, ask them if they want to be a beta tester. So once it starts getting close, I'm thinking about May, then, you know, you're going to start seeing some requests to beta test and check out and give me feedback and all that sort of stuff. So, and I want to release it, even if there's bugs in it. Uh, we can't sit around and obsess about all the little things. We just got to get it out the door and then it's just iterate and build it and make it better and better and better. And I'm looking forward to that day that, you know, I could write that first check to a charity and feel good about it and being like, cool, this money wouldn't have existed, you know? And yeah, on a small scale, this is not a whole ton of money, but I'm thinking, you know, Hey, if there's a hundred thousand users, you know, if I'm serving a hundred thousand ads, right a day someday or some crazy number like that, then, Hey, that's, that's serious money, you know, accumulating. That's, that's, that's enough to make change and make a difference, like a serious difference. So I'm really excited about that. And that's, those are the the types of goals I have. And and who knows, it could be, I don't know, the sky's the limit. This is just really scratching the surface, but there's so much more that goes on in order to make this app like possible and the ideas I have brewing for where it's going to go in the future and all that stuff is, yeah, that's just all new. That's just all in there and it's just all going to come out at some point. So uh, it's been a really, really exciting and very, very, um, I don't know. I've been learning a lot <laughs> and it's pretty interesting managing the whole team and getting things done. And it feels really badass and really good to just be like, no, I want to do it this way. And of course, I'm not some kind of like a, you know, I'm not dictator. I, yeah, exactly. I'm not a dictator at all. I, I have discussions with my team. I, you know, I, I definitely want them to be on board and agree. And even like, I want, I want some people to disagree and tell me, give me some good reasons. And that's happened a few times and I've changed my mind. And so I'm not a rigid person. I don't think uh, I just, at the end of the day, I, I just really want this thing to work. You have taste. That's the thing. You have taste and you, you want to see your taste come out in the world. You know, that's what they used to say about Steve Jobs. He had taste. Yeah, he definitely he had how taste. How he wanted things to feel. He definitely I, had taste. One thing I don't want to let pass by is something you said offhand that nobody in the audience, unless they know you, is going to understand. You mentioned that the team's in Armenia. That's special to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm Armenian. And exactly. so <laughs> it's definitely a, a really, really cool thing when we are on a call and we're just talking and speaking in Armenian to one another. Um, and I don't know. It feels special. It feels really good. I was just actually in Armenia back in uh, August. And, you know, we all met up and worked a little bit and hung out. And so it's really good to finally meet these guys. And, um, yeah, I'm, I feel really confident with them. And this is the beginning of a relationship together. And I think that it's going to be a long one. I'm not just paying them to finish this app. Like, I th- my intention is to have, I want to work with them. And, because they've just been kicking so much ass. And I really like the idea of, you know, giving back to Armenia. And oh, yeah. And there's some really, really bright, bright minds out there. It's becoming a, a very, very tech heavy part of the world. And I think we're gonna hear a lot about Armenia in the next decade. Let's manifest that. Yeah. Right. Manifest that. I'll I'll manifest it by building an app out there. You do both manifest and actually put your hands in in the fucking pot and make it happen. Yeah, for sure. That's that would be. I think that's the uh, 
that's the best overlap you could ask for. You're going to get good outcomes there. So humbly.fm, sign up for the beta. Um, yeah. we, we are strata on Instagram for the band. Mm-hmm. What about you? Where can they find you, the human being? So my name is spelled H-R-A-G. And it's also in the description of the episode. <laughs> I have, uh, I've been fortunate enough to pick up the handle everywhere for the most part. So Instagram, H-R-A-G. Twitter, H-R-A-G. And I don't have Facebook anymore, but when I did, it was H-R-A-G as well. <laughs> Gmail but, was the only one you really missed, huh? Yeah, well, Gmail, the, the actual minimum character account is five. So, oh, that's right. I think I would have got it though. I think I really do. So, oh, well, can't, can't win them all, you know? No, you definitely can't. But please do give me a follow. Reach out if you have any thoughts on any of the shit I'm doing, you know, with either with the band or, you know, with the humbly or anything like that. I, I'm curious to, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a learning human being. I, I definitely don't know. I don't have the answers. I just, I'm always just kind of trying to improve myself and, end of the day if you feel like you have something to add to this or if you if you even totally want to shit on the idea that's great too <laughs> because i actually I, I tweeted something recently that said you know basically anytime someone doubts what i'm trying to do here is just like a it's like a free gallon of gas for the you know just wait tank and so <laughs> it, it makes me want to prove something even even more so i welcome it all and both of them actually or is free gas. Like whether you're encouraging or you're doubtful, yeah, I just appreciate hearing about it. So, and send him vibes. He's a vibe guy. <laughs> Sometimes, um, you know, the the conversations I have with people who are are doubting a certain thing definitely shine a light on something that I hadn't thought about. And totally. it, to me, it's I'd rather hear it than not. So, all right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed this. I definitely did. Likewise. Thank you so much, man. Oh, we're going to do it more than once. You're always welcome to come back anytime. Cool. I look forward you know. to it. We'll, we'll chat a little bit after I close this out. Guys want to follow me? You know the drill. At random bet. Let's see right. if I can use my Try mouth. Again. Apparently my mouth doesn't know the drill. You got this. Take two. At random bet. As free. Instagram, Twitter, nowhere else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And if you guys want to support the show and, and be part of the extra content that I'm starting to put out on Patreon, so go over to patreon.com forward slash random badass or enjoying the cult of the black coyote. Man, my mouth is just breaking. I think you need to save me here, Rog. Well, I will say that you won't regret supporting Chad. Chad's been a dear friend of mine for just half, half our lives, right? We've been friends for half our lives and we've, we've always been close. You even come on the road with us. You've seen us play in all these weird towns. You've always supported us, dude. You're you're a good fucking dude, man. I'm I'm really grateful to have you in my life. So, and thanks for having me. This, this Feeling is really this fun. mutual, my friend. Always will be. Thank you, good sir.